Sam. And this is Jen. And this is Pegasus Weekly, where we are on a mission to help equestrians earn what they deserve. For our first story, we are returning to Kentucky to cover the fallout of Kentucky Derby winner Medina Spirit, who's tested positive for an illicit drug. What does this mean for Bob Baffett and his legacy? How much money did we all lose? And why would Bob do it? For our second story, we are going down under to Sam's neck of the woods to explore a new virtual horse racing game out of Australia. At first it sounds irrelevant, but when you dig a little deeper, it suddenly presents a wonderful training and money-making tool for horse trainers and agents in the real world. For our third and final story, we head to the Nevada desert to look at the new futuristic tech landscape. If you're thinking, hey, that's where the wild horses are, then you are absolutely right, and it isn't a good situation for them. All right, with all that said, let's hit our three stories. For our first story, we are heading back to Kentucky to look at what has sadly turned from a fairy tale into a nightmare. Just this week, it has been revealed that the winner of the Kentucky Derby, Medina Spirit, tested positive in his drug test. According to the New York Times, the drug found in Medina Spirit's system was a steroid injected into joints to reduce pain and swelling. In a news conference Sunday morning outside his barn at Churchill Downs, Mr. Baffert said neither he nor anyone else on his team had administered the drug to Medina Spirit. He insisted the cult had not been treated with it. In his own words, when the press flicked to Baffert to ask him about the failed test, he said in a statement, I was totally shocked when I heard this news. I am the most scrutinized trainer and I am okay with that. The last thing I want to do is something that would jeopardize the greatest sport. I'm worried about the sport. This is a pretty serious accusation. We're going to get to the bottom of it. We didn't do it. He finishes up by declaring there's problems in racing, but it's not Bob Baffert. With a statement like that, Bob, you better be pretty sure of your history in this sport. And with the evidence we're looking at, we don't think he can make that claim. Yeah, it's seems we, like everyone else, were a little fooled last week when the excitement of Baffert's win, combined with his new title as the most winningest trainer in Kentucky Derby history, dominated the headlines and obfuscated his questionable past. To put this in perspective, ladies and gents, in the four decades that Bob Baffert has been racing horses, his horses have failed over 30 drug tests. And five of those failed drug tests took place in just the last 12 months. I mean, hell, Medina Spirit tested positive for the same substance found in Mr. Baffert's horse Gamine just last year. And that's not up for dispute. Gammon came third in Kentucky Oaks, a showcase for three-year-old fillies held at Churchill Downs the day before the Derby, and was disqualified. Her owners were denied the $120,000 purse for her third-place finish, and Mr. Baffert was fined $1,500. So it's really not looking good for Bob. Trying to keep our own opinions out of it, the objective data is starting to stack up against him. Yeah, we made the analogy a couple weeks ago that Andy Coker was the Lance Armstrong of the equestrian world. It turns out we were wrong. Yeah, if there was anyone in the equestrian world that is starting to look like Lance, it's Baffert. You win a lot of races and shoot to fame. You fail a couple drug tests, but it's kind of swept aside and you receive a slap on the wrist because your celebrity status is high enough that you have been deemed good for the sport. You train horses, people want to see your horses run, more spectators arrive, and then those spectators buy entry tickets and gambling tickets. More money moves through the economy and everyone makes money. Hence, good for the sport. You don't want to remove your leading man from the picture because that's what makes it all work. It would be like removing Leonardo DiCaprio from the Titanic. Yeah, exactly. Love Leo. But then these guys and girls, but let's face it, mostly guys go one race too far, one title too much, and they get caught, and it all comes crashing down. Bob could have taken his six Kentucky Derby wins and been a famous trainer in the Hall of Fame, but it looks like he wanted the title of the most winningest trainer in Kentucky Derby history, and so he went for his seventh Kentucky Derby win, and like Lance winning his seventh Tour de France title, it may be the race that does him in. So, assuming this wasn't about ego, why would Bob have 
risked it all on something like this? Well, there are a few theories floating around, but there is one in particular that we think makes the most sense. If you remember last week, we made a big deal about the fact that Medina Spirit had entered the race with 12 to 1 odds, significantly worse odds than the favorite essential qualities 3 to 1 odds. Yeah, and when Medina Spirit won, even Bob was shocked. Now, we're paraphrasing here, but in his moment of jubilation, Bob basically said, can you believe this? I told you he had a chance, inferring that even he was shocked the horse had won, and that sometimes you just have to have faith that maybe something amazing will happen. Which ultimately means that he was not expecting the horse to win, and thus not expecting the horse to face a lot of scrutiny. When a horse wins a race, and it is awarded a $1.8 million prize purse, you better believe the people handing over the money are going to double check the horse for evidence of illicit drugs. Well, at least much more so than they would if it was the horse that came in last. Yeah, because at that point, who cares about the horse that came in last? Exactly. No one, including the trainer, and in this case, we assume Bob. We suspect that Bob wasn't expecting Medina's spirit to do so well, and so wasn't worried about the horse facing a lot of scrutiny from the anti-doping agency. What he may have been worried about, though, was his legacy and reputation, which, as we explained in last week's podcast, is equal to his ability to earn millions of dollars a year. If people think he's a good trainer and there are more people wanting him to train their horses than he is willing to train, then he can place a premium on his training services and thus earn a lot of money. He can only charge that premium, though, if people still believe in his ability to train horses to win. And having a horse like Medina Spirit finish towards the back of the pack, it's not good for business. So, if so facto, if this horse isn't going to win, but you also don't want it to finish towards the back of the pack, then yeah, maybe you can see how Bob thought the risk of dragging the horse was well worth it. Because after all, no one was going to look under the hood. No one was going to look at the horses at the back of the pack. Until they did. Medina Spirit won, and now it is being scrutinized, and the chickens are coming home to roost. So what's the damage here? How much trouble is Bob actually in? Historically, I would say he would be fine. Sadly, harsh punishment on horse trainers is rare. Yeah, we cannot confirm this, but we have a hunch that like cycling, it's generally accepted that doping occurs and faster times are good for the sport. So the doping agencies do enough to make it look like they care, but just little enough to not ruin the sport. Exactly. So most likely Bob will just lose his cut of the $1.8 million prize purse and maybe a personal fine on top of that. What he will really lose though is the line of people wanting him to train their horses, which is equal to millions annually. If the doping agency do decide to make an example of Bob, however, he could get a 10-year ban as did Rick Dutrow in 2011. And if that does happen, we think Bob's chances of clinching that seven title at the Kentucky Derby will be gone forever. And with it, the legacy of the most winningest trainer in Kentucky Derby history. Medina Spirit will undergo a second drug test this week, and if found positive, will be stripped of his win and the owners will be stripped of their prize purse. Yeah, the $1.8 million that was awarded to Amarza Don will be transferred transferred to the owner of the horse, Mandaloon, that came in second, which will be more of a hit to Amar Zidane's ego than wallet. But for us, the spectators and gamblers that bet on Mandaloon, there is no recourse. If you bet $1 million on Mandaloon to win and lost it when it lost, there is no recourse to go back to the bookie and have your winnings reinstated. Yeah, nope, you just lose. There is no committee to appeal to, no agency to prosecute, etc. You just straight up lose your money. And the trainer and the owner of Mandaloon, well, they were robbed of their opportunity to celebrate and bathe in the glory of winning the Kentucky Derby, which for most of us is a once in a lifetime opportunity. So what's the takeaway here, Sam? Last week, news broke that Kentucky Derby winner Medina Spirit tested positive for illicit drugs. And if it fails its second drug test this coming week, will be stripped of its title. And in doing so, Bob Baffert will also lose his historic title of the most winningest trainer in Kentucky Derby history and may be barred from the sport for 10 years. 
our second story, we are leaving the real racing tracks of the Kentucky Derby and looking at the digital racetracks of Zed Run. What the hell is Zed Run, you're thinking? You're not alone. Zed Run is a brand new technological environment to come out of the game studio from Sam's Neck of the Woods in Australia. Essentially, they have built a virtual environment whereby you can create a horse stable, breed horses, and then race them in a virtual race against other people doing the exact same thing. Here is the thing, though. You can gamble on these races. And when we say gamble, we mean really gamble with real money. A quick side note for our sport horse listeners out there, we promise this story isn't just another one about horse racing. This is a story about equestrian sports and business. We're getting there. Yes, people. Patience. Anyway, back to Zed Run. In Zed Run, horse breeders and owners pay to enter their horse in a race, and the winner can win anywhere from a few dollars through to hundreds of dollars, depending on the amount of participants and the popularity of the race. This sounds insane. Why would anyone bet real money on a fake race with digital animals? I can see how you would consider that abstract as we are in America, but in Australia, gambling on digital horses is quite common already. Unlike America, where gambling has historically been an underground thing, in Australia, gambling on anything from boxing matches to horses and dog races has been very publicly open and accepted for decades, with every bar having a room dedicated to sports and a cashier we can gamble on whatever race is on at that point in time. Exactly, and with a gambling room in every pub full of mostly young and intoxicated men willing to gamble for fun, there's a huge demand for events to gamble on. So many that often there are not enough live events to meet that demand. And thus, the opportunity for businesses to create artificial events to gamble on, one of which is virtual horse races, just like you see in casinos in Vegas. And just like most things in Vegas, this game is an effort to make a lot of money by creating an addictive online gambling ecosystem, but that's not why we're interested in it. We are interested in it for the opportunity it provides horse trainers to practice their skills and make some extra money. In Zed Run, you don't simply race horses. Rather, you have the ability to create a stable, breed horses, trade them, and even race them. There are even bloodlines with histories for you to play around with and crossbreed to try and build, for lack of a better term, your ultimate horse. And this is why we find it really interesting. The fact that you can build a stable, choose your bloodline, or peruse a horse marketplace, and then buy a horse to raise and race or sell or trade makes it a really interesting opportunity for horse trainers in the real world. Exactly. There are two things we want to pull out of this that really caught our eye. How trainers can use this platform as a tool to train, as well as a tool to make some extra money. Let's start by looking at how one can use this tool to trade. Forever, to be a horse trainer in the real world has been a bit of trial by fire and a long road to success. The usual trajectory is that you work as a trainer at a stable and make your living by training other people's horses under the tutelage of a much more experienced trainer. During this process, you learn how to buy and sell horses as well as develop a network of clients who board their horses with you, which leads to the second hat you eventually wear as a trainer. Once you have enough confidence and a healthy network of clients that trust you, you begin buying and selling horses for your clients. The way this transition usually takes place is that one of your boarding clients will come to you and say they want to buy a new horse and ask whether you know anyone that can help. Or they ask you directly if you can source a horse for them. If you do, you find a horse, you facilitate the sale, you negotiate between the two parties and then take a small commission on the actual transaction. Hence why we think that there is value in Zed Run for young up-and-coming trainers. Although not a very accurate representation of the real world, it does provide you with a virtual environment to train yourself to breed, trade, and sell horses between very real people. During the process of finding a real-world buyer for your virtual horse, you will go through the same process a real horse trainer will go through. You will need to talk to a real person, negotiate the sales price with that person, explain why they should buy your horse based on its bloodline, performance, history, etc., and then convince them to pay you. All great experience for a real up-and-coming trainer before they tried in the real world with real horses, real logistics, and horses' lives at stake. 
And you can make some extra cash doing what you love, which brings us to the second key value we see in this game, the money. Zed Run may be a virtual game set in a fantasy world with virtual horses, but the money you earn from selling and racing those horses is very real. To put this in perspective, Zed Run has only been around a couple years, and in that time has sold nearly 11,000 horses, with the rare horses selling regularly for around $15,000, and the most rare so far being sold for $125,000. Which is insane for a digital horse in a digital race. Or is it? Well, maybe not. Zed Run, after all, is a gambling technology platform. You spend money to make money, and while a lot of people lose their money, some make a lot of it. And if someone has a super rare horse that people will believe will definitely win them a race, then it's worth spending the money because you will most likely make it back plus some when you run your uniquely good horse and gamble on it to win. Exactly, just like in the real world. Hence why we think it's worth looking at for both up-and-coming and already established trainers. If you enjoy breeding horses, compete them and monetizing your unique experience and skill as a trainer of horses, then a virtual environment with very little cost to entry and large potential upside presents a great low risk opportunity. Why wouldn't you supplement your income, if not double your income, by applying those skills and passion to the Zed Run world? And if you are really smart, you would start now and build yourself a reputation in the game. So as the game grows in popularity, assuming it grows in popularity, you are the go-to trainer with the richest track record and thus your horses will be in high demand and thus worth even more on the open market. So what's our takeaway here, Jen? Zed Run is a virtual horse breeding, trading, and racing game that provides horse trainers and sellers a very low-risk environment to practice their breeding, trading, and negotiation skills. Further, you can one day monetize this experience in the real world, or even better, use these skills in the game now to earn potentially six or seven figures if the game grows in popularity. For our third and final story, we're talking Mustangs, electric cars, and cryptocurrency. A combination that we can't say we saw coming. In case you hadn't heard, Tesla's new Giga factory, which is allegedly the largest and most advanced factory that humanity has ever seen, is located in the beautiful Sierra Nevada mountains. Also native to this area is a large population of wild horses. Tesla CEO Elon Musk recently boasted about their proximity to such an extraordinary site in an effort to attract talent to the area and as a unique perk for working for Tesla. Can you imagine? Hey, Elon, I'm taking 15 on this new battery I'm building here. Want to go take some photos of the wild stallion grazing in the parking lot? Headquartered in a horse mecca ourselves, at first glance, we thought this sounded pretty cool. However, we dug deeper into what's really happening out west, and we discovered this factory and the development around it is going to have a huge negative impact on the wild horses. Other factories have been getting built nearby, and the horse population in the area has increased. The Bureau of Land Management in Nevada has said that the amount of horses has reached an unsustainable level. There's about 50,000 wild horses in the area, but the Bureau claims that the population should be around a quarter less than that to minimize overgrazing. But let's be honest, it's only because of the increased development taking up more of the wild horses' land that it is causing the horses to seemingly overpopulate in what is now a smaller area for them. So yes, because of humans, they have less grass to go around. Corinna Vance, the founder of Wild Horse Connection, said the construction of these factories and an increased human presence is not ideal for the horse They'll get five emergency calls per month in a slow season about horses in traffic, on the wrong sides of fences, etc. It seems like Tesla is getting all the attention for this new Gigafactory, but there's actually quite a lot happening in the wild horses domain at the moment. A man named Jeffrey Burns, founder of Blockchains and who made a fortune selling cryptocurrency, recently purchased 67,000 acres in the desert for $170 million. That's just part of Burns' total $300 million spent from his own funds developing what he's calling 
growing an experimental community where he's planning houses, schools, commercial districts, and production studios. Yeah, get this. He's in the process of building an entire utopian community, as he's calling it, with a foundation running on cryptocurrency. Yeah, Burns wants his new city to be run by encrypted digital systems. He pledged to build 15,000 homes, turning it into a huge innovation zone, with his company overseeing everything from schools to courts, law, and water. He was quoted saying, I want this to become the greatest social experiment in the history of the world. It's going to be a cross between Disneyland and the chocolate factory from Willy Wonka. I don't think horses do well in Disneyland or in chocolate factories. The Tesla Gigafactory is surrounded by blockchains as land. Companies like Google, Apple, and Switch also have properties in this desert's industrial park that is surrounded by Mr. Burns' holding. So what at first glance appeared to be just one massive factory by Elon encroaching on the wild horses is actually just a drop in the ocean. The Tahoe Reno Industrial Center is the largest industrial center in the world. But from the sound of things, the developers and industrial parks want the horses to stay. Well, of course they do. Wild horses are the new Silicon Valley type work perk. Burns said he spent around $300,000 a year to maintain the safety of the horses in the area, but there has still been no word yet from Tesla on any of their horse protection policies. The fate of the wild horses has been a contentiously debated topic over the last few decades and increasingly in recent years with the contentious roundups. Of course, the past debates have been with ranchers who say the horses are encroaching on their cattle's grazing and water rights. The National Academy of Sciences did a top-to-bottom review of the BLM's wild horse and burrow program in issued a scathing report. It said that the roundups and removals are counterproductive and that they may actually spur population growth. They also said that they should focus on proven fertility control to control the growth of the population of the wild horses. This debate has been and is only going to get more heated as these developments continue and land becomes increasingly sparse. So what's the takeaway here, Sam? Although the tech titans might love and support wild horses and want to see them thrive in the area to attract new top talent to the desert, the fact is that hundreds of thousands if not millions of ever-developing lands does not help the wild horses nor the human population around them. Add on top of that the decades-long debate with ranchers who say that horses are encroaching on their cattle, we're going to have to get really creative on a truly sustainable way to help the wild horses in Nevada. Our team here at Pegasus wants to do our part in helping the wild horses. So if you or someone that you know are involved in any of these initiatives to protect them, please reach out to us so that we can help get involved. Our PSA this week comes from the USEF. Beginning next week on May 17, the USEF will implement new protocols regarding the use of face masks at USEF licensed competitions. The change means that unless more restrictive requirements are imposed by state or local governments or by competition organizers, any individual who is fully vaccinated is no longer required to wear a face mask at USEF competitions when outdoors and at least six feet away from other individuals. However, if you enter an area that is fully or partially indoors, you still have to wear your face mask and stay socially distanced. Since there is a likelihood that you'll be in an indoor area while at a competition, just make sure you have your face mask on standby at all times just to be prepared. Yeah, running back to the barn to get your mask out of your tack trunk won't be too much fun. The USEF said that they'll still continue to support organizers who feel it's in their best interest of the event to impose stronger requirements. They also gave a shout out to the equestrian community who has done an amazing job at not only being one of the first organized sports to reopen, but has also successfully kept our sport open by complying with the USEF COVID-19 action plan. So keep being safe and responsible and let's keep hoping these restrictions continue down the path of easing up.
Okay, that's it from Pegasus HQ this week. We hope you enjoyed these three stories and learned something about the increasing intersection between technology and equestrian sports. A quick reminder that we grab these stories from the news page on the Pegasus platform. So, if you want to learn more about these stories or just enjoy a variety of global equestrian news in a single, easily scrollable place, head over to www.thepegasus.app/news. Also, if you want to learn more about Pegasus and see how we built this podcast and company, follow us on Instagram at the Pegasus app and at the Pegasus app underscore BTS, which stands for behind the scenes. Lastly, if you want to be featured on this podcast, either just as a shout out to share the love or you want to tell the world about the amazing work your business, charity or school is doing, head over to www.thepegasus.app slash podcast. And before we go, we want to give a shout out to our newest Pegasus members. Welcome Clarissa Derry from Fredericksburg, Virginia, who added her organic horse and dog treats business to the platform this week called Four Leaf Clover. Not only can you get Clarissa's horse and dog treats through Pegasus, but if you're local, she'll be at the Hunt Country Market in Upperville, Virginia, which kicks off tomorrow at 4 p.m. A big shout out to Terrell O'Shea, who is a good old trail rider from Area 5. And a quick hello to Tiffany, who is one of my own ilk as a 3D eventer from Area 3. And then there is Megan McGuire from Over the Top Farms in Area 2, who joins us from the three-day eventing tribe. And to give our dressage community members a little bit of love, let's all welcome Lisa Gorsuch from Region 1 and Heather Walters from Region 3, both of which joined the Pegasus community in the past week. And finally, a big shout out to Jane Frizzell, who has been called an FEI rider's secret weapon and is known as a trainer's trainer. Not only has she been riding for 50 years, but she started the original Schoolmasters Academy in 1994. Ride Verbatim is her new venture in 2020. Check it out on Pegasus. All right, that's it from us this week, guys. We'll see you next week.